Welcome to Tech Talks, the technology podcast with David Savage and Jack Pierce, publishing on Mondays and Thursdays. This is the show packed full of interviews and debate with technology leaders for the love of tech. On today's podcast, we are talking to Hugo Renardin. He is the CEO and co-founder of LGO Markets. But before that, and for the last time as colleague, as yeah. a colleague, Jack. Hello. <laughs> yeah, as the la- last time as a Harvey Nash employee, yes. Uh, yeah, yes. I feel like we should have had a cake or something. Or a- I bought some uh, Krispy Kremes, but no one's eaten them. Really? Like, I've got them on my pod, yeah, and like everyone's like, ooh, maybe. I'm like, no, I just fucking spent 12 quid on some donuts. Eat them. You know why? Go on. They're all training for the Hackney Half. Hey, as are we. Yeah, um, we'll probably begin to annoy you about this soon, listeners, but um, we are running the Hackney Half Marathon uh, on behalf of Alive and Kicking. Our dear friends, Eddie Taylor et al, Alive yeah, and Kicking, yeah. And Ben, yeah, it's, um, we should have some fun content coming your way over the next couple of months. Yeah, for those who, have, I admit, I don't know that anyone could ever forget our video that we did last year for it, but we did uh, Tech in Motion. Well, tech in Motion. Was tech, world, world in Motion remake, Tech in Motion. Exactly, and we're, we're, we're going to buzz some ideas around what to do for this year. Well, it just so happens that the, uh, that the, um, I was going to say Balls for Africa, but that's their handle rather than the actual yeah. Alive and Kicking's uh, shop in uh, Hoxton mm. is on the same street, the very same street that the Bittersweet Symphony video was shot on. Because he emailed me today, Eddie emailed me today to say, oh, hey, you might be doing this. And I was like, oh, okay, well, this is news to me, but I can I can bowl like Richard Ashcroft from bowl, don't get me wrong, so. Yeah, myself and Ben, their uh, CEO, were having a bit of a text message chat last night. No, I mean, we've got we've got to do another video. Like, I mean, Josie's rapping last year will remain in my memory forever. There's no rapping on Bittersweet Symphony, though. Oh, it could be a remix. You, you want to you want to mess with a classic? No, not really. Actually, no, <laughs> no. off more than you've got to be careful. Bittersweet Symphony, though, in case that fella, because Richard Ashcroft didn't make any money from it, even though he wrote the song. It was the composition, the violins in it, that was actually uh, written by a composer for a stringed version of a Rolling Stones album. Right. And um, he took all the money from Bittersweet Symphony because the strings were so important to it. And Richard Ashcroft said, yeah, the bloke's a bit of a twat, but this song made me who I am. So, yeah, we might need to be careful so if we... Uh, was there a dispute over provenance there, then? Something like that, or it was... Um, you know what would help them? Go on. A digital ledger. A digital ledger? Oh, <laughs> fuck, you know, we're getting so good at this! All right. <laughs> That wasn't even planned. Brilliant. No, no, no. They should, yeah, they, they, they could have done with a digital ledger back in the early 90s, Dave, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then they wouldn't have had this dispute. Exactly. Uh, on today's show, we're talking to LGO Markets. Uh, LGO Markets are a New York City and Bordeaux-based mm. uh, startup. Uh, they are trying to build an exchange for cryptocurrencies. Uh, so we'll dive into that. Uh, and afterwards, myself and Jack will have some commentary on the interview before a couple of articles in the second half of the show. Enjoy, here's Hugo. Uh, so today we are joined on the phone by Hugo Reno, uh, Dean, I should say. Is that right? Is that the right pronunciation, Hugo? Yes. Cool. And you're from Bordeaux? I'm from Paris, actually. Ah, but your, your, your group, your, your organization, LGO group rather, is based in New York and Bordeaux. Yes, absolutely. We have... Uh... Approximately 15 people in Bordeaux, uh, so our, our tech team, and 15 people in, in New York City, which is all and the rest. Whilst you're based in New York, I suppose that's an interesting question, actually. 
if you're from Paris, why Bordeaux? Well, it's, it just uh, it just happened that uh, one of my business partners is from uh, is from Bordeaux, and he built a a team of, uh, of uh, very good talents uh, there in Bordeaux, and so that that's how that's how things happen. I see. Fair enough. No, the only reason I ask is uh, I got married in Bordeaux, so I'm rather fond of it. Oh, nice. <laughs> Although it was during the worst flooding that France has had in about 40 years. So we, we booked a, uh, a July wedding and it, it just threw it down the entire time. And lots of people <laughs> that it was, it was considered very lucky in France for it to rain on your wedding day. But there we go. Anyway, tell us what LGO Group actually do. So LGO Group, we're, what we're building and what, we, uh, what we, uh, we're actually thinking about is to uh, build the next generation of financial exchanges. So that may sound like kind of a buzzword or whatever, but essentially we think that new technologies such as distributed ledger, such as cryptography, such as digital ownership, which can be materialized through blockchains and cryptocurrencies, but not only those particular use case. But we think those technologies will profoundly uh, change the way um, financial exchanges are made. To us, it's the same kind of shift that what happened with the, with the informatization of, of market, the computerization of markets. Uh, you, you had, you know, 40 years ago, you had people trading in, uh, in a pit uh, with paper and, and interacting by voice. And now today, everything is done uh, automatically through computers. Well, we think that the same shift is happening on the back end, on how, on how assets actually move. And what, what we want to do, what we want to build is the exchange, the, the platform that allows people to get together and to, to exchange value. We want to build this platform in a world where distributed ledgers, blockchain, cryptography, those technologies are used at a, at a large scale. So that's, if you want, the holistic view. Now, what we're building right now, we're building this platform for the only asset class right now which actually leverages those technologies which is the cryptocurrency asset class. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're building and operating um, an institutional uh, trading platform on cryptocurrencies. So in a very, the, the, the very uh, short pitch is that, you know, there's two, more than 200 cryptocurrency exchanges out there. They all work the same way. They all work like islands. They all work like casinos. It's however you want to name it. So basically they do everything at the same time. They hold your funds, they give you margin and they execute your trades. That's obviously us really high risk and a risk that a lot of uh, institutional investors don't want to take. I mean, you see case in point, you know, all those hacks that happened the past, the past few years, which are linked only to the, to the fact that exchanges hold, hold the, the, the assets of the clients. And so this is the typical structure and our structure is actually quite similar to what you would have for NASDAQ or London Stock Exchange. We only take care of the execution. We have partners that take care of the clearing of trades. We have partners that take care of the custody of funds. And essentially for an institutional, for, yeah, for an institution that, that is used to, to trade on different asset classes, on equity, on bonds, or whatever, well, trading cryptocurrencies, trading Bitcoin on LGO is actually the same experience as trading equity on NASDAQ. Yes. Just a quick, 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 quick question. The existing crypto exchanges, have they typically been built by technologists or by people who have experience in the financial markets? Historically, it's, it's, it's been built by technologists. It's been, you know, it's just very, uh, it's been built with a very, uh, let's say, Silicon Valley attitude where basically you want to have all, everything, you know, you have to, you want to hold the whole uh, value chain, you know, from a, uh, 
from start to finish. And that's how you know, companies like Coinbase are built, right? If you enter the Coinbase ecosystem, you have everything. You can custody your assets, you can trade, you can pay, you know, you can do a lot of things with the, within the Coinbase ecosystem. But the reality is that financial markets don't work like that. I mean, you have hundreds of years of financial, uh, financial market history that show you that uh, what works well in finance is the separation of risk. And, and you don't have that for current cryptocurrency exchanges. The reason why I ask that is obviously the information that we received prior to the podcast talks about the fact that you're secure by design. And, and, yes. and one of the accusations that is sometimes leveled at the tech startup sector is they don't think about security from an early enough stage. And, and you say yourself uh, in your own literature that we've secured, oh, sorry, we have created a secure structure for our clients which, which differentiates our platform from other exchanges. I guess if you've got a traditional exchange, it's not built with the technology in mind and therefore it's possibly harder for them to pivot. And maybe if you're coming at it from a tech angle, angle, you're not thinking about the security aspect as deeply as maybe you would be if you had financial experiences. Is that fair? Is that something that is an issue? Yeah, I mean the the the, the, the security that the, if you want, if you uh, if you build a business in the cryptocurrency space, the fact that you know bitcoins are so easy stolen and lost. I mean, once you send a bitcoin to an address, you don't control it. So that means that on the back end, you need to to build a. a very uh, secure uh, structure, and that's our DNA, right? The, uh, we have people within our team which have, uh, uh, you know, spent uh, decades in the in the cybersecurity space, in the hardware space, you know, in the hardware security space, and and that's that's necessary if you want to build such a business. I mean, we mustn't forget that it's important to, to keep in mind that uh, you know, as a financial exchange, your business is a business of trust, right? You have clients that come to, to, to your marketplace and say, can I trust this exchange to, uh, you know, to execute my trade and to move my funds accordingly? So trust is good, but trust is not enough. I mean, you can, you can be trusted by being regulated, and that's, that's fine. You know? uh, I mean, that means that if you do a mistake, you get fined or you go to jail, which is a good enough incentive not to do, uh, you know, not to do uh, bad things with your, with your clients. But to us, it's not enough. To us, you know... Trust is not enough. We don't ask our clients to trust us. We want to prove to our clients that they can actually use our platform trustlessly. So that means that's, that's the, the secure by design aspect. Everything that we do is, think, is thought sorry, to be secured. So to give you a few examples, um, we only use hardware, dedicated hardware to store critical private keys for clients. So it's all always offline, not on the internet. So there's much less, uh, you know, attack vectors on, on those uh, on the keys uh, that we use to to operate our business. Um, another way to show that we're secure by design is that ourselves, you know, we cannot move funds of our clients, so you know, that just simply erases the, the 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 issue of us getting hacked or, or or getting robbed. You know, we cannot move the funds. That's it. Technically, we cannot move the funds. So that, that, that's the, those are the kind of things that we yeah. thought through to to be able to tell to our clients, don't trust us, we'll show you that you can trust us. That's it. You, you there link trust and regulation. And obviously, this is an area that is new and, and you know, 
tech broadly has a problem with regulation, but you talk here about the fact that you're bringing traditional finance standards to digital asset trading. Now, when we talk to financial institutions in the UK and we talk about regulation, you immediately think of the FCA and if they've got you know Financial Conduct Authority uh, on their side, then you think, okay, we can trust them. And, and here you're talking about the New York State Bit License, which is not something that I'd personally heard of before. So. Is that something you have to work extra hard for? Is there a slightly higher barrier, I suppose, of entry for you because of the, the lack of well-known regulation up to this point? Yeah, absolutely. So, you, you know, we're secure by design, but one could say that we're also compliant by design. So the, the compliance aspect is, is key to our business. I mean, you're, you're talking to institutional investors, and those investors often have a fiduciary duty to either shareholders or you know, even clients. And so that needs a those institutions are often regulated, so it's the it's the um, it's the rules of the game, right? It's a uh, it's a regulated ecosystem. You need to be to have regulated uh, intermediaries, so we need to be regulated. That's it. We don't. That's that's the um, the, the number one uh, finding that we have. So the way we're getting regulated right now in the U.S. So where we we have applied uh, for a bit New York DFS bit license, which is essentially a license that allows you to. Uh, uh, to um, do virtual currency business activities with New York residents. So this is a fund which is uh, domiciliated in New York City. Well, if you want to do virtual currency business with this fund, you know, you need to, be, to have a bit license. That's, that's what we've applied to. We're in, in process, you know, we're in the process of, you know, we have a lot of interactions with the regulators and not. Another license that we've applied to is a broker-dealer license, uh, so FINRA broker-dealer license in order to become an SEC alternative trading system. The reason why we've applied to this is to be able to list and trade securities on our platform. So that's more of the long-term goal, but it's, you know, those are the rules of the game. If you want to uh, list, if you want to trade or if you want to list assets which belong to a certain category and if you want to do business with certain clients, you need to be regulated, and there's a reason for that, right? And we don't change it, we embrace it, and everything that we do is with uh, the goal of being fully regulated in every job. You, you mentioned that uh, one of your co-founders is based in Bordeaux, and there was, a, there was a hub there of talent that he was able to tap into. Putting together a team like this must be interesting, because you are split across two different geographies. How... how how has that presented challenges for you? Or has actually it been quite useful getting kind of, I suppose, that diversity of thought from two different places? Yeah, I mean, the, the building team was a very interesting experience and it's still, uh, it's obviously still a work in progress. So right now we have approximately 30 people in the company and you're right, you know, it's geographically split. It's different culture. You have the American culture in New York City, the French culture in Bordeaux, and it's it's different, uh, you know, profiles. In, in, in New York City, we have a lot of, People from financial institutions, you know, they have a background in finance, they have a background, you know, in in, uh, in institutional businesses, and in Bordeaux, we have a lot of, you know, the, the big part of our tech team has been in the cryptocurrency space for a long time, you know, and they, they share some views on the markets, which some would uh, qualify as being uh, uh, maximalist, you know, so that, that's you know, you have the, those two. Uh, there's different cultures which coexist together, and that, that, that's that's very uh, interesting experience I mean, from a human standpoint. Now, I'm, I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty proud about the team that we've put together. So we have extremely good people. We have our chief compliance officer that has spent 15 years in the broker dealer space in the U.S., being a chief compliance officer of two broker dealers before us. Uh, we have um, a head of sales which has spent 
more than 15 years in both bracket banks, uh, you know, selling prime brokerage platforms to hedge funds and financial institutions. We have former traders, we have people from the hedge fund consultancy space. Um, our CFO was the CFO of a $3 billion uh, business before, before us. On the tech side, everybody has at least, you know, five, 10 years of experience. Uh, we have people from the cybersecurity industry, we have people from software development, some people that, uh, you know, that come from the, the, the hardware hub, you know, Gemato is a French company and the, the, the hardware that Gemato is delivering is used a lot in cryptocurrencies. So we have this kind of experience. And I think we've assembled a great experienced team, which, you know, is a bit, uh, let's say, uh, heterogeneous in, in terms of culture, but it's, it's very, it's very constructive. And so far, so far, so good. Look, um, this might be quite a simple thing looking at your background. You're obviously educated in New York City uh, at Columbia University. Your, your master's was there. But if you're working in um, Bordeaux and New York, why not Bordeaux and London? London's of, of, often seen as a, as, a, as a hub for fintech. And obviously, geographically, it's a lot closer. You'd be in the same time zone. London's often seen as a great place to do trading with both East and West. Whilst you were in New York, why, why not make the decision to maybe have the business structure closer to France, but stay in New York? So the three answers to that. One, be patient because uh, <laughs> it might happen sooner than, than later that we, uh, that we expand to the UK. <laughs> okay. Two, I mean, it's, uh, New York is, uh, New York is, you know, one, if not the uh, global uh, financial scene. It's, it's where you have capital, it's where you have, uh, you have a lot of hedge fund, you have a lot of financial institutions, and you know, the, the, the US economy, the US financial markets often uh, leads the way uh, for other financial markets around the world. So it makes sense to start in New York. Uh, it may, it's not the easiest market, for sure. Uh, I mean, if, if you wanted to do things easier, you know, the easy way we would have gone to Gibraltar or to Malta. That's not the way to do it. I mean, it's, you know, if, if you can, you know, it's the, the same, if you can make it in New York City or in the US, in the, in the specific industry, you can, you can assume that you can make it in a lot of other jurisdictions. Mm -hmm. Now, the third, the third answer is very pragmatic. Uh, simply that, you know, uh, one of my business partners and myself, uh, we were in New York City when we launched this. We have a network in New York City in the cryptocurrency blockchain space, now more and more in the financial industry. And, you know, it made sense to start this from, from, the, from the US. So the relationships piece there as, as a founder was possibly more important than anything, I suppose. Yes, yes. That's, that, that obviously helped. Out of interest, France has tried to position itself as a bit of a blockchain hub. Is, is that something that you've been able to tap into or is that something that largely has, has not really affected you when building the business? Yes, no, no we're, we're, we're actually very close to, uh, to the French uh, regulator and the French you know, uh, financial, uh, financial institution in space. And it's true, there's a real political push in France uh, to become, for France to become you know, an, an attractive hub for blockchain and cryptocurrency-related companies. And that's, you know, there's a political willingness to do that. So the regulator is, uh, you know, issuing more rules and institutions, you know, banks, uh, exchanges and, and financial institutions as a whole in France and Paris, they're all looking at that. They're all looking at how they can adapt their services to blockchain and distributed ledger technology so that they have a better offering. So there's a real push to, in France and we're, we're, really, uh, we're really part of that. I mean, we, 
we interact a lot with the regulator, we interact with um, the, the, ecosystem, the financial ecosystem a lot. And the fact of having you know, experience from the, from the US market and bringing this experience to, the, to France is obviously an asset that we have and not a lot of companies have invested. Look, it's a really interesting story. Um, and obviously, you know, a, a newish business. You've only been around since 2017, right, as, as a business. So still a, a kind of a growth, a growth phase for the business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And actually, we're, we're launching the, 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 the Bitcoin dollar platform for institutions in the, in the next few weeks. Um, but yeah, we, we've gone very fast. Uh, we've grown fast. And I think we've done a lot of things in a, in a short amount of time. Uh, but it's, it's an exciting space. Do you have a, a, an exact launch date yet? Uh, we do, but it's, uh, it's not public yet, unfortunately. Fine, fine. Well, look, best of luck for that. By the time that the podcast goes out, it might be very close or it might have just happened. So uh, fingers crossed people can, can, can go online and find out a bit more about you guys. But in the meantime, Hugo, I really appreciate you uh, giving a few minutes to have a chat with us. Thank you very much, David. Can I just start by saying um, it's a similar structure to trading on NASDAQ. I have no fucking idea what NASDAQ is. <laughs> Sorry, everybody and Hugo, but yeah, that was like right over the head. It's, um, look, if you, if you work obviously in finance and yeah. you work in fintech, this will not be surprising or uh, you'll, you'll, you'll get what he's going on about. There were times where I had to listen back to it and really kind of think about what was being discussed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you did really well considering you, you, you uh, answered questions off the back of his very incredibly pertinent and, uh, and brilliant points. But yeah, there was there was some there was some Lexus in there that just doesn't sit in my mind ever. Jack, we're experts. No, but um, <laughs> joking aside, he does bring up some really mm. fundamental points, though, about working within an established legacy um, ecosystem. Yeah, I hate yeah. ecosystem yeah. environment, um, but and, and you know. Finding finding a way to basically add value, mm. um, and I love that he talks about the value model, yeah. and you know that previously people have wanted to hold the value from end to end, but actually in finance you separate risk, mm. and that separation of risk is kind of what the whole system is based on. So, trying to build a crypto exchange that manages the whole process end to end doesn't work. Yeah, right. And I, I love that they've built this team where they've got, you know, members of staff with 15 years worth of experience in different markets. And and we've got a CFO here with um, multi-billion dollar um, business experience from previous companies. Because if we think back to, th- to, to, to Ideal Flatmate, yep. which we often cite yep, yep, yep. as an example where they said, you know, the chairman, we didn't realize that that, that gray haired, gray matter would be so important mm-hmm. to us building our business. Here's a great example where you can't go into this market, or at least you can, but it's much better to go into that market with real inside expertise from people who get how it works. I mean, that was that was one of the points I was talking about. Like his team, you know, wasn't formed by luck, wasn't formed just by word of mouth, you know. It was very strategically put together, it seems, as was their ge- geography as well, you know, um, with New York obviously being a very big epicenter for all things financial and lead the way in finance as well, you know. Um, one thing I will say about New York and the stock exchange area at New York, right, when me and Rosie went there last year, we were walking past the New York Stock Exchange building, right? And there was a huge banner on it, like Dave, a huge banner, like double-decker size banner, right? And it said on this huge banner, follow us on Instagram. Did it? Yeah. 
And I was like, the New York Stock Exchange is begging people to follow them on Instagram. I was like, that's what they kind of. You know, Do you know what I mean? Who wants to follow them? Like, it's, it's not exactly going to be photos on a beach, is it? Do you know exactly? So that, that that's always put me off of New York Stock Exchange. The fact that they thought that they could get me to follow them, but no, it was. It's almost like it's happenstance, but it's also very strategic. What sure, you it's, sure it's just a, a stream of lots of different people ringing a bell. I just imagine it's either that or when I think of the stock exchange, and I know I'm wrong. I just think of um, uh, what's his name, Mister Zeta Jones. Michael oh, Douglas. Yeah. I just think it's good. Yeah, I just think of people like Marco Greco and things like that, and big '90s mobile phones and braces over his shoulders and stupid big ties and too much cocaine. That's what I think when I think of the stock exchange. It's, it's what you want, Jack. Clearly, it's what you. No, no, Dave. You know how bad I am with numbers. <laughs> I was gonna say maybe that's why you're leaving Harvey Nash. It just isn't. 80s enough. It's exactly, yeah. We're too progressive and diverse here now, right? I want to go back to a white man-only environment. Oh, God. That's a joke, everybody. Uh, <laughs> um, I really like that New York have a bit licence. That's like... I almost... That was almost a jaw-dropping moment for me. I was like, wow. I mean, talk about getting ahead of the curb, right? Or trying to keep up the curb, whatever. But yeah, that's great. Well, we've talked about kind of elected mayors and we've talked about cities mm, uh, mm, mm. leading the way. So Te- uh, Tees Valley, we've talked about West Midlands uh, combined authority on the show previously. How do you get to become a centre for cryptocurrency? Create a bit licence. Create city-based regulation that creates a healthy environment for these companies to come and thrive. It's, it's so brilliant. It's so simple as well, seemingly, right? Like, don't wait for others to join you on regulation. Go out there and do it. Like, yeah. a bit license. Yeah, sure, fucking go for it, guys. I mean, I don't have a clue how it actually works. It's not a Scooby. <laughs> I'm sure it's very hard, very tricky, and I'm sure you have to get in touch with a lot of people, but it sounds easy. Yeah, no, I, I, just, I just thought that was... <laughs> I just thought it sounded great. Um... I also really like this mantra around, we'll show you that you can trust us. Exactly. That's uh, another yeah, point I was going to say, yeah. So security, um, uh, as a financial exchange, you are built on trust. That's mm-hmm. a given, but mm-hmm. that's not enough, especially if you're a new player in the market. So trust by regulation, yes, but you want to prove to your clients that we, you know, they want to prove to their clients that they're secure by design. Yep. So reducing the number of attack vendors by dedicated hardware with keys sitting offline. Now, I love that. That almost seems like, uh, back to the future kind of thing where you're using something very old to still serve a purpose sort of thing and I mean like yeah it's are, we saying that, are we saying that LGO are the DeLorean of the cryptocurrency exchange well the way they're operating is very not drenched in the past but financial exchanges is a you know it's been around for well, as you said, you know, 30, 40 years there was the last time that they went through this yes. huge evolution, right? So yes, they've been around for years. Yeah, so it's kind of a bit like that. I just think they're taking what has worked in financial exchange and they're finally giving it the platform it needs for the 21st century. So how long ago do you think Hugo slipped on the toilet, hit his head and came up with flux capacitor? Uh, I don't know, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> if, if he's a time traveller, it could have been today or it could have been tomorrow. It doesn't matter. Oh, really philosophical. I love that. If time travel is possible, it's already happened. Get your I, head around that. I, That's true. If time travel is possible, it is already, someone's already done it. If it's possible, someone has already travelled in time. Of course. Had yeah, it gone back in time, but they might have kept it secret, or if there are yeah, any changes, yeah. then they'll happen instantaneously. You Definitely. never know about them. Yeah, yeah, like how I ended up on this podcast. I'm sure that was a butterfly flapping its wings effect. Uh, if anyone's interested in this, they're probably not. Definitely but not. Uh, Isaac Asimov's End of Eternity. 
The yeah. End of Eternity is the best book you will ever read on time travel. Okay. Promise you. Okay. Read it. Okay. Uh, I think we should go to our advert break because we're going <coughs> off on all sorts of random, random tangents. Classic. Can I, I just want to say one, one more thing. Go on. France being a blockchain hub. All for that. Yeah. Really, really, like, I was wondering, like, because we hear, like, obviously we know that Northern Ireland's quite cyber secky. We know there's there's good dev hubs and stuff like that in Scotland. You've got the Silicon Canals in um, in the Netherlands and Germany. You've got very, well, Germany's a cheap place to live whilst also having very smart techies there as well. Mm. But it's always like, what, what France bringing to the table here, you know? Cheese and wine. Cheese and wine, which goes without saying as being two of the most important things in the world. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's just nice to hear that, you know, they're, they're going to, begin to thrive in blockchain and that everyone's on board with that. I do love it when, when Hugo talks about the obvious differences in culture between New York, New York and Bordeaux. I love Bordeaux. Right. I've not been to New York. I know that you've been... To, I, I'm pretty sure we could establish that they're very different. So, I mean, New York is like London, but on speed. So it's like, it's just as crazy, just as busy, just as rude but faster it just seems it's like a much faster paced city and it's because of the blocks you walk down a block you stop everyone stops everyone goes so Paris uh, sorry Bordeaux is like a more chilled out more accessible prettier version of Paris more chilled out more accessible prettier Paris okay okay Akin it to something, I mean, I have been to Paris, but you almost... It's the kind of place when, when you're walking along the river, there's just three generations of families oh. chilling out at like 10 o'clock at night, having a nice time. Proper chilled vibe. Don't think that's how people describe New York. De- definitely not. Yeah. Anyway. But, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just before we go to our advert break, uh, if you like this show, why not just quickly get your podcast app out and subscribe and give us a five-star rating. We'd yes, very it, much appreciate it. It looks really sad because I've given us a five-star rating. <laughs> <laughs> well, my favourite my favorite thing is that our, our MD gave us a one-star rating because he thought that you had to press each star sequentially to Jesus. give it a five-star rating. Farewell, but not goodbye. Do you know what that is? Bobby Robson's autobiography. All the better read by Bobby Robson. No way. Yeah. What a legend of the game he was. Exactly. It's a great book to read, but listening to Bobby Robson, talking you through his life, that's special. Exactly. My choice is uh, The Sisters Brothers, which is a film starring Jake Gyllenhaal and John C. Riley that has been released worldwide apart from in the UK. So, I'm going to listen to the audiobook. If anyone's wondering why we've suddenly started talking about books, it's because if you head over to audible.co.uk forward slash tech talks, you can get a free month's trial there, courtesy of your favourite technology podcast. Get listening. Welcome back to Tech Talks. What have, what have you got for us, Jack? Ah, yes, right. Um, I don't know, you might have heard this already, Dave, because we sort of dipped in and out of that sort of Apple conference last week. And when I say we dipped in and out of it, Ryder sent us the link. I watched five seconds and turned it off, as I'm sure you've done the same. But Ryder watched a lot of it anyway. Um, and it is news that Apple's new Sesame Street theme TV show will ki- teach kids coding basics. Apple have a Sesame Street theme. They're getting Sesame show. Street. Right. Essentially. So um, Apple's new Sesame Street theme show will instead focus on teaching kids coding basics. Introduced on stage at Apple's press event by none other than Big Bird himself... The Sesame Workshop produced show is one of the new arrivals to Apple TV Plus, its rival to uh, Netflix. Uh, the new kids show will focus on coding because coding fosters collaboration, critical thinking skills and essential language that every child can learn. This was announced by Cody, the new Muppet. 
like the new Sesame Street Muppet. Right. Um, and Cody also added, show will also have cool music and funky dance moves, which I know you'll be keen to hear. Oh, I feel sorry for the Count. <laughs> He's just going to feel I so... I to code your website. <laughs> He's just going to feel so left behind. So, yeah, so last century. Who's, who lived in the bins? Gonzo lived in the bins. Oh, no, Gonzo yeah. was a drummer. Who lived in the bins? Oh, what's the name there? Oh, Gonzo. Gonzo's the Muppets. No, yeah, shit. I'm getting mixed up. Who was yeah. the one that drummed the bins? Or was that yeah, Gonzo? Uh, I, I can't remember. Anyway... Big Bird says to Cody, you're helping kids grow up to be smarter, stronger, and kinder, all because of this new TV program. Uh, but I just think that's quite sweet. Like, we're seeing a lot, not being done, not, but there, there is obviously here a, a cruel silver lining in that Apple wants to develop yeah. their own children coding for them and probably have some kind of farm where they're all watching Sesame Street on a loop learning to code. Out of interest, do you, um, this is very... Go on. When, you, when, you, when we were at school, did you watch Look, Listen, Read? You forget where there's a bit of a difference. So I love the fact that when I was at school, there was this program called Look, Listen, Read, and it had things like Geordie Racer and Banshee Girl on it, and they were like these these like mini series that you watched, and they taught you how to spell and stuff. Oh yeah, sure, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. Biff and Chip for TV sort yeah, of yeah. thing. I love the fact that. When I was five and six, I was made to watch a show called Puff the Magic Dragon. Yes. Right? Yes, remember that, yeah. Slightly trippy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that we were all taught to spell with magic, magic E. I mean, well, how the hell did they get away with that? Uh, I mean, Dave, the biggest child TV programme when I was there was Teletubbies, and they didn't even fucking speak. They just noised at each other, which is like an outrage for people, children trying to learn cognitive and, you know, speech. Yeah, but they weren't like, you know, but subtly pushing drugs. Uh, you don't know that Tinky Winky love the line hey do love the fact though that they were very progressive there for the LGBT community they were indeed um, anyway back to this I think this is like like I say there is a bit of a sort of if you dig deep enough I'm sure Apple are doing this so that they can foster their own mini team of coders but it's still good in the sense that you know kids can learn to code from a very young age. You know, yep. Minecraft was doing it years ago, but this is another cool thing to be doing. I'm just trying to think of an Elmo pun now that would fit into it. Should we move on to my article? Go on, anyway. Yeah, Dave, your article. You're, yeah, you're smiling. Is it bigger than that? So you like this? It ties into uh, today's subject matter. Last year, some professional football team Gibraltar United um, basically uh, committed to pay players in cryptocurrency. Uh, Great idea. Is Gibraltar really the best place to be? I don't know. I mean, I, the only things I've heard of Gibraltar are don't go there. Well, all, all of the places. Sorry, if you're from Gibraltar. But... Well, the, the club founder and majority owner said that all the players and staff will be requested to open a digital wallet and they'll be able to choo- choose to receive their salaries in fiat, which I assume is the local currency, yeah. or Q2C, Quanto coin. I mean, crypto's just crashed and crashed and crashed over the last 18 months. Isn't uh, it? That was Bitcoin. Right. I have no idea about Quanto coin. Right. Um, I assume so, but I don't know. Uh, Gibraltar United spokesman told Hard Fork, this is uh, in TNW. Hard, Hard Fork. Fork. Hard Fork's the. Um, <laughs> Sorry, it's make me giggle. Hard yeah. Fork. Uh, the crypto bit of, of TNW. Yes. Um, in an email last August, this said all future bonuses will be exclusively paid in crypto. I want to hope that someone doesn't score a lot of goals if they've got like a goal scoring. Can bonus. you imagine? Yeah, appearance fee. Yeah. Um, indeed, there were even plans to integrate cryptocurrency pay- payments into other clubs owned by the same guy, Dana. Um, so it'll be the case 
for other teams um, where he's a shareholder in Italy, Spain, Portugal. Why, why do you think he's doing this, Jack? Why do I think he's doing yeah. this? It's look cool? Not to look cool, no, because it turns out that he is a major investor in QuantoCoin. Jeez, oh, right, there we go. He's listed on the website as one of its key people. Um, but yeah, obviously he will stand to benefit if QuantoCoin becomes more popular. So that's like, that would be like Elon Musk making everybody buy Tesla stocks or something. It's a bit, yeah, it's a bit shit, isn't it? Paying Con- them in Tesla stocks, but then... It's like saying, come and come and work with me and Jack on Tech Talks and we'll give you Monopoly money. Come if, no. if, if we if we had shares of Monopoly. I mean, but they have they have no value outside of it. Come the, and work with us on Tech Talks and you get to listen to the show for free. We'll pay you in crisps. <laughs> no. Um, while the QuantoCoin app is available on Google Play, it has not been updated since it launched last June and has barely had any downloads, just 50 at the time of writing. Let's download it. I just don't understand why anyone would choose to play for the football club if... I don't, it's, it's clearly a con artist. I mean, like I was reading something really interesting recently that Arsenal, Liverpool, and City all signed a deal with IBM to have re- like cameras three sixty around the whole pitch, right? So football and tech does work and can work. Um, and did you you know the Arsenal Man U game where the camera zoomed into David de Gea's vision? Right. Yeah. That was because of this new deal with IBM. Like Arsenal, City, and Liverpool have that technology to have total camera coverage and body movement and stuff like that. So tech and football is going to work, but. I don't know if crypto is the... I don't know. It just doesn't sit right with football for me. There's this argument here that it's it's going to be more transparent because it'll be a digital <laughs> ledger, therefore you can... but And therefore less corrupted. But I would have thought that football was one of the more transparent... I was going to say, well, you all know how much Meza Ozil and yeah. Sanchez and whoever's paid for. You can Google it. Or... I, suppose, I suppose what you could say is actually it's got very little to do with what the players get paid and this guy's probably not thinking about it because he's just trying to push his crypto. Yeah. But we could see how much is going as a backhander to Harry and how much is going into the agent's pocket. Very good point. Very Harry, good point. sorry, Harry. 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 You didn't... Harry. There we go. Um, on that note, we should leave our, our poor listeners alone and yes. bid them farewell. Have a lovely weekend and we'll talk to you on Monday. Yes, talk to you Monday, guys. Thank you.